Let's get into the magic with your host, Sess and Katie. Welcome to Into the Mat. <laughs> I'm like, have I ever, have I t- not talked to anyone today? Into the mat. Into the mat. <laughs> into the madge. Into the mat. It's like into the madge. <laughs> I mean. I kind of like it, but. Yeah, me um, too. <laughs> something just happened where my brain hit the brakes or something. <laughs> so welcome to. Into the Magic. I'm your host, Sess. And I'm Katie. And um, today we're talking about shadow work. Ooh, shadow work. Uh, <laughs> shadow work is something that I don't think and up until like recently, the past couple of years, I've had that vernacular for, you know, being like, oh, I'm doing shadow work. Um, it's kind of just been in the umbrella of other types of work that I've been doing. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Other practices, other types of therapy and stuff like that. Um, and then I think the past couple of years, I've been seeing that term quite a bit on Instagram or online (laughs) and, and it's shadow work. So shadow work is, um, a coin that was, or. A term that was first coined yes. by Carl Jung. Yeah. And it is basically describing the practice of looking at those parts of yourself that you repress or you reject or you brush underneath the rug mm-hmm. that you don't want to look at. Yeah. Either because you don't like it or you don't think society will like that part of you. Right. Which so, is kind of sucks because it's a part of you. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. It's a part of you. You can't cut that out. No. That's part and of it's, the repression. Yeah. Yes. And it is, it's that repression or whether or not you're like actively repressing it or you're just like skipping over looking at that stuff right. because you don't want to, you want to avoid feeling uncomfortable or uh, you want to avoid changing or look at your behaviors and how they have affected or influenced your life or or other people in your lives or your relationships yeah or as simple as like you just haven't been given the tools to understand how to go there emotionally there are people that just don't at this point have the capacity to get there whether that's not in their lifetime to be able to get there or not or or it is but it's um, you don't just like fall into shadow work. You do it because you're called to do it because it's a necessary step in your spiritual evolution. Yeah. You know, like it's not easy, but it's not as terrifying as, as it can seem, I guess. Right. Yeah, I yeah. agree. And <clears throat> I, I know for myself that a couple years ago, a couple decades ago, looking at you know, taking a type of inventory and being able to look at like the things in my life that are cause for anger or ill feelings right? that have like brought up those like darker feelings within me of Mm -hmm. like perhaps like jealousy or resentment or anger or fear Fear. or yeah, yeah, or uh, frustration. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And just to clarify for those listening, like shadow work isn't sitting there going, oh, I've been, I've been through trauma and like going into that trauma. That's not, I mean, that's trauma work. That's work certainly, but that's not shadow work. Shadow work is about looking at the parts of yourself, of yourself 
that like, yes, you don't like, or you don't think society likes. This is about you looking at how you play part in your own victimization. This is about how you play part in the things that happen in your life. Like Sess is saying, it's, yeah, it's looking at like, oh, I'm angry and I'm, you know, irritated or frustrated or whatever. You said a very beautiful word and I can't remember it. Um, resentful at, at these people and things, these institutions, these events in my life. Right. But it's not about them. It's about, well, why, why do you What are the qualities? Right? What are the qualities in you? Yeah. That, that is causing up. a reaction. Yes. From this person, place or thing or whatever. And not only a reaction, but uh, continued behavior on your part to repeat those things because right. you're unaware of the pattern that's in exists in your life. Right. Yeah. And I know uh, for myself, like the things that keep coming up that have been coming up for many, many years are the things that I am like unwilling to accept. <laughs> and if I can't accept those things, what part of me is is that highlighting? You know what right. I mean? And what like part what part of, of me is denying and not loving yes. and not accepting as just an integral part of who you are. Yes, yeah. exactly. And and so we've both done work around this and I feel like this also brings up another point of um being afraid to look at the shadow. Mm -hmm. So kind of just like la da 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 moving on and I'm in love and light all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to turn oh that sucks but you know I'm going to accept that in love and just it's like this term of like spiritual bypassing yeah. of not being willing to look at these, open these closets and go in these dark places to look at what you need to look at in order to heal. And yeah, because I think it's a form of like spiritual mimicry, right? Of like mirroring where you look at these like gurus, these people who have done yeah. deep, deep, deep work about like who they are, the role they play in society, like what yes. they've taken on and how to release all of that. They have done this, but what we see of them, I mean, they certainly talk about it if they're good gurus, you know, but what we see of them is the love and light portion of that. And so there's this need to mimic like, oh, that's spiritual. It's just love and light. And like Seth's yeah. talking about not understanding that like, and I love that term. You're you're doing a spiritual bypass of the most important part of your spiritual journey and and growth, and that's yes. the shadow work portion. Yes. Yeah. And and it is like I've I've always like felt like oh I'm a super positive optimistic person. In the past couple of years, me and many other people in the world in the entire world have been like kind of not not even just because of COVID. I think it was because of COVID and different relationships in my life, I was kind of like, oh, not everything is fucking awesome all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't always like force myself to be in a positive attitude about everything going on in my life. Um, no. So that's like that spiritual bypassing that like, ooh, what is that about me and what I'm going through that I can't look at or I can't accept about this situation? Right. And... I've like read many books by a spiritual author. I like that you were talking about that. And, and they have so many spiritual authors have done, done such deep yeah. work around acceptance and, uh, and being one with the world and in the people in it. So I thought that when I'm having a negative emotion or a negative feeling or 
whatever, oh shit, you know, that's not, that's not what a spiritual person feels. Oh, I'm not spiritual. Yeah. Oh, I got if I was, in traffic. Oh, I'm not spiritual shit. Oh yeah. I got my feelings hurt by somebody. That's not spiritual, you know? And it's, it's like that inability to kind of like take, take each experience for what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like in every episode so far of our podcast, we've talked about the yin and yang, the light and the dark. And that's balance. And that is, yes, the balance of the lightness and the darkness. And how can you hold both things and acknowledge that both things can be true? Yeah. So the spiritual bypassing has been an interesting thing for me to look at. And to know that it's like, I'm not, it's not that I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not meditating hard enough. I'm not like a tranquil, serene enough person. I am a human being. And what are these emotions popping up trying to tell me? Right. You know? Right. About what you need to look at or continue to work on in your life for your journey. Yes. Yeah. Because it's not, I mean, life is life. And being a spiritual person, like gurus, it doesn't mean that they're not having like a day that is hard for them. It just means that they don't cling to that emotion or that feeling in that moment. They don't identify with, I'm having a hard time. I'm the me that's having a hard time right now. It's like, no, this is a feeling that's happening and I'm going to let it flow in and flow out. And I'm not going to identify or cling to it. I'm not going to pick stuff up from that experience anymore because I know what I've picked up in the past from all of that. And I have shed all of those things that I've picked up, all of those definitions, all of those rocks that I put in my backpack that at one point I thought defined who I was and, you know, sort of controlled my perspective of the world. I've dropped those. So now I can let that stuff pass through without picking any shit up. I like the analogy of waves in an ocean. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's just, they pass through, they fill you up and then they go back out and then they go back out to see passes through, fills you up and then goes back out. And that's all emotions. Good and bad. That is all of them. Yeah. And I, I think especially in the shadow work, it's so important to not make your identity, um, those dark parts or like the struggle. Right. I guess, yeah. you know, or even like, yeah, you know, I'm doing shadow work right now. It's like, whoa, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can still have what? fun, right? You can still laugh. Yeah, there's, ha- you have to have humor in it. That is the only way that I ever got through any of that stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, I've done a variety of different versions of shadow work that all, that all are kind of like around what Sess and I are talking about, which is which is that sort of, I mean, shadow work is partly about self-awareness, right? You have to be aware of how, of the life and the experience that you're creating for yourself. Right. Which is, you have to be aware of the reactions and the experiences that are happening in your life and how you play a part in creating those things. And so it's like, it can be funny <laughs> because you're like, yeah. oh my God, poor little Katie felt, you know, abandoned. But really, I just recreated a situation multiple times over and over and over again with somebody yeah. who was not emotionally available at all. And I knew it from the beginning. So of course I felt abandoned. Right. Because I wasn't trusting my intuition from the beginning. I knew. Yeah. You know? And so yeah. lesson learned, now I can identify what emotional availability is and isn't. I can identify that I no longer have a space within me, a hole that needs to be filled 
that like where shame, doubt, and judgment can go in that deeply anymore, right? Like it's right. way more surface level now. It's almost like yeah. just in the aura where I'm like, oh, there's shame. She popped up. Yeah, no, I'm good. I don't need to, I don't need to pick you up today. You can float on by. Yeah, you float know? on by, sister. Yeah. Versus embodying, like inhabiting my body. Like we all know what it feels like to have those emotions take over. Like it affects your central nervous system. It's like it, you're possessed by it almost. But right. now I've lost my train of thought, but I hope Well, I've it's about like learning. It's, it's about like learning the lessons that are, um, that the shadow parts of ourselves present throughout our lives. And right. it's up to us, us whether or not we pick it up and decide, okay, I'm kind of ready to like, let this thing go. I'm learning. I'm ready to learn this lesson. I'm ready to, and, and something you've said, in, and we've talked about is like, I'm ready to integrate this darkness yeah. into who I am and into the light and weave them together because the, the, the tapestry of us is made up of the light and the dark. It's both. Yeah. And there's this, there's this feeling around darkness, like it's scary, but it's not. Like it's yeah. not scary. Um, you can't have, I mean, <laughs> you can't have light without dark. We all know that. And you can't have dark without light. For light to exist, darkness has to be there as a contrast. And right. that's where that balance comes in, where it flows in and out without inhabiting you, where you don't pick it up. You can just be in that moment and love all of the parts and all of the emotions and all of the things that are happening in the moment because it's just in the moment. <laughs> yeah. It's just in the moment. Yes. And and I think that like when I have repressed parts of me and denied those, the parts of me that I'm not proud of or the ways I act when I'm triggered or whatever, when I act like they're not real, that they don't exist, I'm like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Then it's like, I'm not ready to look at it. And it's, mm -hmm. we, we said this analogy of like sweeping things under the rug. And then at some point there is a big like lump under the rug that yeah, you cannot deny any like dark shadow that you didn't want to look at and you're tripping over that shit trying to live your normal life because yeah, there's you keep, a big ass bump in the yeah, rug i love that you keep tripping over yeah. it and that's, that's eventually what happens that's what happens until at some point you catch the edge of the rug and you kick all that stuff up and you're in it you're in yeah it. yeah because so like the more you, and it's not going to kill you it's yeah. not going to kill you no. to look at like the parts of you that are dark, the parts of you that are not awesome, that you don't want to show off. Um, but like, what does that lead to? But I think that, that takes a particular perspective. And the more yes. I do this, the more I realize that it's not for everyone. And that's okay. Because like the perspective that you and I both share and a few other people that I know that have done this stuff, the, the perspective that we all share is that like desire for growth. And it's like, okay, if I have to look at this, whether I think it's scary or not, I'm going to look at it because there's no other way. I know too much now. There's no other way yeah. other than doing this to go beyond it. And I yeah, and, and it's like continuing to walk forward when something is like holding you back too. Right. And I think, and I was thinking about this while you were talking. I was listening, I promise. But I was also thinking, um, well, yeah, don't we'll with see. eyebrows. Don't with eyebrows. Um, so I've recorded all everything I've said. So I can <laughs> go back and quiz you. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. 
Um, but, but what I was thinking about was like, so there's, I mean, we've heard the term dark night of the soul, right? That's like yes. a moment, it's a, a happening that, I said that very weird, that's a happening that... Um, the haps, yeah. Yeah, it's the haps. <laughs> that uh, can, it basically alters the, it can it can alter the course of your life, right? It's an opportunity. It's a moment where the veil lifts and you can see that there's another way to do things. And sometimes dark night of the soul is fucking scary. Like mine was, yours yeah. was very scary, but it was absolutely necessary. But that is different than shadow work. Having a dark night of the soul and realizing like, oh, I'm a spiritual being and I want to continue on this path. That is not shadow work. That is the start from there. And that word that we talked about is where you have to integrate it. That's the shadow work portion. That's okay. I want to keep and expand this perspective. I want to see how this can evolve and change my life and improve it. How do I do that? And that's where shadow work comes in. Oh, I do it by realizing all the stuff I've picked up. I do it by owning my part and my, the part I play in my own existence and my own life and my own suffering. Like, cause we all play a huge part in our own suffering. And I think everyone can agree that like, whether it's a friendship or relationship or just somebody, you know, that when they have no level of self-awareness or no level of like how their actions affect others. Um, and I don't mean like changing to make other people comfortable. I mean, like when they're actively like hurting people or yeah. Yeah. not acknowledging in any way. Yeah. Yes. That that person is not easy to be around. They're not easy to be in a relationship with. Um, and I think for me that when you're, when you want to grow and you want to heal those darker parts of you, when you want to like, move forward and keep moving forward and change and growth that that it just it's very challenging to do uh to be around somebody who lacks that and I'm not trying to be judgmental that's not about judgment it's just about like looking at like okay who who do I have a hard time with and why is that you know are they a person that looks at their behavior and be like oh I really hurt that person's feeling did I have a part in that or did I not yeah and I think that it's interesting to note that that perspective, absolutely true, but that's, uh, that's after doing a lot of work, right? Yeah. Like early on when I was first doing shadow work, I didn't, it's like, I played, a, <laughs> I played a part in like every single thing that I had an issue with from the beginning. Yeah. Now, like Sess is saying, it's like, I play a part if I continue in that dynamic that is I'm acknowledging is unhealthy. Right. Right. Yeah. Like it's not that I'm manipulating necessary. It's not that I necessarily, it's not that I'm trying to, to get something or I'm being selfish or I'm being any of these things. It's, it's the fact that, Oh, I've now I've realized that this is an unhealthy dynamic and this right. is not um, something that I want to continue. So I either like change my behavior around it and stop accepting that dynamic or I say, you know what, this energy is not for me. And so I'm going right. to move beyond that. But it's not about like, oh, first time shadow work, drop everyone. And like, cause I'm doing the shit. You know what I mean? I'm doing the shit and that, I am the shit. That yeah. is again, spiritual bypass. Like that is again, not yeah, doing the hard spiritual work. Spiritual ego. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and I think that like um it's like Picasso, right? Like Picasso was traditionally trained as a painter. He could do re- very realistic things. He had to know how. He had to know the structure and sort of rules around painting, the form of painting, the art of painting as we know it in order to break the rules and do what he did. And right. that's kind of like what we're saying. You got to do it <laughs> real, upfront and honest first so that Later on, you can, you know yourself, you know your tendencies, you know, oh, like any time that I have a reaction to somebody, I look at it and I at least talk to one or two people if I don't see it clearly about like, hey, right. this is the situation and I had a reaction, like thoughts, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I know that if I'm having a reaction, I might play a part in it. More often than not now, yeah. my part, like you're saying, Sess, is, oh, I'm staying in this dynamic or I'm not speaking my truth. Right. And maybe I just need to do that versus like sit yeah. and listen to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not just being like, oh, fuck this person, fuck this situation. It's like, oh, why is this actually like causing such a reaction within me? And what, what do I do to look at it? Right. What can, how, what is, yeah, what is my part in this? Yeah. Um, and I think being in a relationship for me, I mean, that has been one of the biggest conductors. Is that the right word? Um, it's been one it? of the, I don't know. I mean, Spanish I know it's a word, but hands. I don't know if it's like what I'm trying to say. But it's been like one of the biggest pieces in me continuing to look at the shadow and to continue to look at a shadow in a different way than I ever have before. Right. And like when you're triggered or you get angry... That's like usually a side of me that I can pretty much hide behind closed doors (laughs) or deal with on my own. But when I'm in this relationship with my partner, like I am, it's like, oh, shit, I didn't realize I did that when I felt this way. It's like giving me a whole nother. It's like the a whole nother, uh, you know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Set of things to look at, basically. Yes, exactly. A whole nother side of myself that I didn't realize existed or I didn't realize existed until now. Well, it's another Um, opportunity to look at like those themes because the more you do shadow work, the more you realize that there are themes for your life that sort of come up. And it's another opportunity for you to look at how those, for you to look at how those themes like present themselves in my life. Yeah. And like, what am I supposed to be looking at? And it's like, yeah, I can apologize for something, but if I don't like understand why I did it or why I'm feeling so strongly um, in my emotions now, then like, where's that lesson? And I think it's definitely has, has caused or has been the, um, a catalyst for a lot of, a lot more growth than I have done recently um, in the past like two years of being like, oh, this is kind of unavoidable. If you want to, if I want to be in a relationship, I have to like look at the sides of me that are in a relationship that are really not working, that are not easy to live with. Right. Yeah. I don't like admitting that. Right. I don't know. I do not. And like, what's the benefit of that? Like Sherry, the woman that I work with always (laughs) asks that she's like, what's the Benny? Like, yeah. What's the benefit of this behavior for you? And right. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, yeah, you do. <laughs> What's the benefit? What are you getting from this? What are you getting yes. from like, you know? Acting this way. Acting this way. Yeah. You know, I know. What are you I getting can, from acting this way? Yeah. I can fall into self-righteousness. <laughs> I can definitely oh, be like, well, that's I'm like, fucking right. Like, 
That's the easiest thing in the world. Oh my God. And it's like such, it's not a good place to be, but you're kind of like on a high horse a little bit. You're like, and you're like basically high off of it as well. I'm right. You're on a high horse and you're high. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, uh. and all of those, like, uh, (laughs) the adrenaline and the cortisol and all those hormones, like pulsing through your veins. It is like such a, like a, you know, you're like in a a gladiator in an arena. (laughs) Right. Like you're ready to chop some heads off. Yeah, exactly. Just because you were fucking right. Even if you were right. And I am right most of the time. I'm not kidding. (laughs) And I know because. I mean, I am right. That's how I feel. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But even if you are Me too, Katie. What a coincidence. I mean, coincidentally, we're both always right. (laughs) I mean, 99%. Yeah. Like For sure. 99.9, I would say. Um, I would just say that I'm never not wrong, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> oh, yeah. But like, even if I am right in that situation, what the fuck is the point of holding that over somebody's head? Like, does that matter, yeah. actually? No. In a relationship, do you want to always be right and no. to be like the the winner? No. It like goes back to that old saying, like, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Yeah. And the only was like, I'd rather be fucking right. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather like, be right. That's my stubbornness. And, and happy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do both, you know? I'm going to do both because that's right, how I'm fucking happy, right I am. So fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> fucking right I am. <laughs> and, and it is like in a relationship when you want to always be right and you don't <sighs> see. Worst. Yeah, it's you're the worst. You are the worst. You are the worst. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Can't get any worse Worse than than you. No. You're a terrible human. Yeah. Um, But it's like (laughs) if you aren't willing to look at those things that are causing problems in your relationship, who's going to want to be in a relationship? Yeah. That's any and all relationships. That's your mom. That's your dad, your best friend, your sister, your brother, your your partner. partner. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. relationships work when you put the work in. Right. And you, you have to be yeah. the thing that you want and expect in a relationship too. Oh, right? yeah. And that's, that's yeah. for everything. You have to be at that vibration. And that's part of the like beauty of doing that shadow work is that you get rid of all that stuff that you picked up so that you can be yeah. at that higher vibration. Because you can't yes. move higher if you got a bunch of crap on you. Oh, if you're like, have all this stuff weighing you down yeah, Mm-mm. and negativity. And, and I think that that like goes into the shadow too, because it's like, well, if you're not willing to like, look at that and open the door, I heard this really great thing. Um, I was listening to a podcast, I think it was called the year of polygamy and it's about, it's, uh, oh, that sounds fun. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, it's my family and, history. Yeah. <laughs> my it's, ancestors. Yeah. Under the Banner of Heaven came out on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And this woman who has this podcast was like a consultant. Okay. Um, and she's in the Church of LDS. So she was talking to a fundamentalist Mormon. Mm-hmm. And he said, sunlight is the best sanitation. You have to be willing to talk about these things. You have to be willing to bring them to the light. I love that, actually. But it was just like, it's so true because anything you keep in the dark, anything you keep in the closet is only going to go darker and darker. It festers, right? Yeah. I mean, like the more you deny, the less you become <laughs> become what you actually are, like you, the less you become whole. And denying right. means being possessed by that thing. So like and if it's in darkness, 
Yeah. You're possessed by that thing because you're unwilling yeah. to look like it or look at it and you start kind of looking like it. I mean, you start right, yeah. doing it unconsciously yeah. because you're not looking at it. So anger comes and it influences fear, resentment, all of yeah. it. It influences everything that you do because you are unaware of where it plays a role in your life. Right. Once you become I, aware of it, you bring it to light and you have a, you are much more able to go, you know what? I'm not going to continue this behavior. You know what? I'm not going to respond in this way. I'm not going to be right. controlled by this thing. Yes. And uh, so this is the uh, the second time, Katie, and I've recorded this actual podcast episode because the first one, um, it wasn't recording for me. <laughs> but... <laughs> Wasn't my fault. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. Well, others have been, but not this one. What's your part in this game? What's my fucking part? I ain't got no part. We talked about this. <laughs> but I I said uh, what, you, what you deny, you amplify. And if you aren't, like, willing to work on this, uh, you know, relationship you with you have... If you aren't willing to look at your relationship you have with like a person that's like problematic and you just like bring it up any chance you get and that resentment and that anger and like, oh, they did this to me and that's why I'm this way and all this shit. And it's like, oh, my God, this negative relationship that you have with this person is influencing your life, your whole life, your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think like one of the biggest takeaways from shadow work, from taking an inventory, from like developing a self-awareness is you are becoming more embodied in who you are, right? Yeah. You come into balance because you've seen both sides. Right. Yeah. And what's that young quote? We were there just is, talking about it where it oh, says... Anyone who perceives his shadow and his light simultaneously sees himself from two sides and thus gets in the middle. And he also said, there is no light without shadow and no psychic wholeness without imperfection. Right. So it's like, looking at this stuff isn't going to kill you. No, you're going to be just fine. In fact, you're going to be better. You're going to be way better than fine. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, the more you deny... You become more of what you are. So I, I used to think that looking at like these, this side of me or acknowledging like, oh, I'm having a really strong reaction. I'm having a really hard time in this relationship. It doesn't mean that I'm not like a loving, spiritual, beautiful person. Right. Who just needs to meditate more (laughs) or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's like. There is a little shadow closet inside of me that I kind of need to go into and open that door. Yeah. And look at it. And that does require work. It does require sitting down. And, and it ain't, it's not a one and done sort of thing. Sorry. I think both of us have been, we've both been doing it a long time. 16 years. And I'm sorry to report I'm not perfect yet. No, definitely not yet. I'm close, but... Yeah, pretty close. I mean... I'm almost there. I'm almost always right. So, (laughs) I mean, it's pretty close to perfect is all I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I think that, like, the reason we wanted to talk about this and the reason I enjoy talking about it is because it does make you a happier, healthier, more whole person. 
Right. And because it's, it's, I think that, life is easier. Right. And, and also I think that, I mean, it's wonderful that it's being talked about more on places like social media, but I think that it can also do a disservice to it too, because there's just a grand sort of washing over of like, have you done shadow work without actually discussing right. what that means? It's just like clickbait yeah, or it's a, like a passing phase. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I did ayahuasca and I cried and I saw myself being reborn. I did, I've done shadow work. It's like that, that ain't shadow work. Sorry. That can be part of a spiritual awakening. That can be part of something that like after you've had a dark night of the soul, you do that to see further, but then you do the integration of shadow work to, to instill that this is who you are, to continue to expand and grow. It's not sitting in that momentary lightness of like, you know, spiritual bypass where you don't do the shit that like sucks to look at. Like, right. You do got to see that you're sometimes a shitty person and that's okay. And that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're that permanently. It just means that in that moment, in that experience, in these times where you feel hurt or scared or whatever, you act out in this way. And that's okay. Right. But now you know. And now you don't have to do it again. And again and again. And when but you even do, if you do, because you inevitably will, right? I do, yeah. yeah. Then you just go, oh, okay. Well, I did that and I know what that is. And here's how I could have done it better. Right. I'm going to try to do it better next time. Yeah. And you do it a little With better. With what I know. Each time. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that they, by doing this type of work, you're just inviting more wholeness into your mm. being. Yeah. Yeah, because acknowledging that darkness is part of the wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. I have another uh, young quote that we can Let's do say it. Let's hear before it. we... Okay. Um, Good does not become better by being exaggerated, but worse. And a small evil becomes a big one through being disregarded and repressed. The shadow is very much a part of human nature and it is the only, and it is only at night that no shadows exist. Mm, you see that? It's only when you go into it that it stops existing. Like, <laughs> when you are in the darkness, when you are there, there is no more shadow because it's just no. that. Yeah. And I love that. That like takes away so much like maybe like fear or trepidation about looking at it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I mean, just fucking do it, dude. Like, yeah, and we will we'll put a couple of resources in the show notes as well that we have found um, online that we have found that are like really interesting and helpful for this type of work. Um, yeah. And it I mean, can yeah, I do suggest look at the show notes, like Sess was saying. But when you do it, when you do this type of work, I would suggest finding somebody who you trust who is a has more experience than you on this topic to sort of um, be a witness to that because yeah, that's not what going I do through it alone. every time you don't do it alone because one sometimes it, you, the darkness can or it could just like you can let it swallow you whole yeah and it's it's nice to have somebody else there because one you can see humor in things and two they yeah. can see patterns in your behavior that you can't. Yeah, And then like that was the most powerful thing to me when I would have people point out, yeah, this experience was like this one three years ago, which was like the one when you were five years old, which is where you felt, you know, abandoned or like disrespected yeah. or not loved. Do you see that? Like, and it's not the same experience, but all of the emotions around it are the same. 
So you're yeah. recreating places in your life where you can feel this way because you haven't healed it from the beginning. Yeah. Like with the second I realized that I was like, holy shit, I'm creating mm-hmm. these patterns. Me. Right. Oh, this is, oh, so I'm I doing this? change that. Oh, wait. Yeah. God. Oh, so my life can be different because I have the power to change those things. Wow. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I wouldn't have seen that if I didn't have somebody else bearing witness to me doing that. Yeah. Personally. And, and someone you trust. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's a huge thing. Someone you trust, but who's also going to tell you the fucking truth. Yeah. We're not looking for somebody less shoulder to cry in here. Yeah. Honesty is love. Honesty and love. Yeah. It is. And we're both working on that, actually, using our voice properly, you and I. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. Honesty is love. And to do this kind of work is like, it's very sacred and it's very special. And to have to go through it um, with somebody you trust that is that witness to like your past experiences and the new path that you're trying to walk by looking at this stuff. Mm-hmm. That's super important. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm still going to work on it. Katie's still going to work on it. Always. Always. We're going to work on it together. Yeah. Because for me, you are one of those people I trust that can be a witness. Same. And that can be honest with me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Is there is there anything else you want to add, Katie? Well, I just think that the more you do this, the more able you the more able you are to hear things about yourself that you may not really want to hear, but that you might need to hear to move forward. Yeah. Like the more you do this, the less delicate you become because your focus and your point is growth, not protecting your ego and your identity. Yeah. Right. Like when, when people become like delicate and sensitive to hearing certain things, it's because they're still attempting to protect the ego and the identity. Now, I mean, all of this can be flipped on its head, right? Like, you know, you can have somebody who uses this and it's like, tell me everything that's wrong with me. And it's like, okay, well, there's some shadow there, like, because you still think that you're not enough, which is why you're willing to take on all of this stuff. But yet you're not really looking at, like, you can acknowledge all this stuff, but you're not looking at where you don't feel enough, right? Because you can, mm-hmm. you're totally fine with acknowledge every, acknowledging every single thing that's wrong with you. But you're not looking at like why. Yeah. Why you feel the need for that, right? Feel the need to take it all on. To take it all on. Be a martyr. Yeah. I mean, this is such a nuanced, (laughs) it's so nuanced. There's no one fits all. That's why you have to trust in your higher being, in your guided life, in your whatever you believe in, that like when you do this, you're going to find the person that's right for it, right? Because somebody who struggles with feeling enough, like, and is sensitive, maybe having somebody like me <laughs> who's going to be pretty like, well, you fucking did this shit and da-da-da-da-da is not, um, I can be more masculine with this stuff. So maybe that's not the best, you know? Yeah. But somebody whose ego needs to be shattered a little bit, I'm great at that. Like, yeah. you know? So you just have to trust. Like, and that was, and I know you had this experience. Every sh- time that I would go through shadow work in a big way, right, I had somebody who was able to give me what I needed at the time. And you just have to trust that you're going to get what you need at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That you're being led through this for a reason. Yeah. And the people that are going to help and guide you through this are, you know, hopefully going to be, yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, now I think maybe we just talk for a moment about like shadow work for us now, because shadow work for me now isn't um, digging deep in all of my past and looking at all of that stuff, because I did that for like, I don't know, five to 10 years. I would go back through past and dig all that stuff up, you know, Yeah. and then see how it reflected today. I know that today. Yeah. So I don't keep digging the holes dug. It's, yeah. you know, it's there. I don't, and I filled it back up and planted a fucking tree. So you don't have to keep going back no, to the past unless there's more to the learn past. from it. Right. Yeah. Unless you need to learn more from it, then you right. revisit it. Yeah. But now yeah. it's more about seeing like, oh, I still deal with a little bit of self-doubt. Yeah. Oh, that showed up here. Oh, here's my self-righteousness again. There she is in her red dress spinning around, hopping on that white horse, you know? Yeah. She's something else, I'll tell you that. <laughs> she is. I love that. Yeah. Um, but no, it's just you get to a point where it becomes second nature. Nature it becomes like a part of just your daily practice. You don't have to think about it as much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, and that doesn't mean that it's done. You know, no. Yeah, exactly. No, it's still there. You just see it pop up. You're able to see it pop up in the moment. Rather than like have a relationship fall apart and go, why did that fall apart? Let me look back. It's like, no, I can see <laughs> what I'm doing now in this yeah. moment. And it doesn't I have to take a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, I still did it, but I'm going to yeah. look at that and admit my part to my partner, to my friend, to my family. Yeah. Takes a lot of humility to do that too. <sighs> it does. Yeah. That's part of the ego does. shattering, right? <laughs> yeah, that is part of the ego shattering. There is no ego. Ego goes away during shadow work. Like you can't be in your ego and be doing this truly and wholly. You just no, can't. you can't hold both of those. Yeah, the ego can't handle it. <laughs> it can't. It's delicate. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very delicate. But that's like but, part of the process. We were talking about that where it's like uh, this sort of unveils the ego. Yeah. Like the Wizard of Oz, where you're like, oh, there's a little troll back there, like <laughs> managing the machine of my yeah. ego that seems way bigger than it actually is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's making up these crazy stories yeah. and scenarios. Yeah. Very vivid imagination. I mean, yeah. I always have. <laughs> I'm always a visual. I'm a Pisces, dude. I mean, Pisces and a Sag, but yeah, I live in a dream world sometimes. Most so of the you, time, I don't know. You Pisces need need uh, me, Taurus. Yeah, some Taurus. grounding from the Taurus. Yeah. Yeah, but when I'm not, I'm I'm a bull in a china shop. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. See, the yep. only grounding I have is Capricorn. I have one Capricorn. Yeah. Yeah. The rest is I think fire, I, water, and, and air. I, yeah, I have some air, but mostly, I think it's mostly earth. Yeah. See, four yeah. fire, four water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Sag and Pisces, all of them. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But don't judge us based on our astrological charts now. We don't even know if this will make it in, but. Yeah. Yeah. We might be cutting out this. We probably will be, but I'm just saying, don't judge yeah. me. <laughs> I yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, we might have lost lost one of our five five listeners. <laughs> <laughs> five, I think that's being generous. <laughs> right now, it's one, two, four. Buck, yeah, bug counts, and so does Clover. <laughs> Clover is sleeping on the couch next to me. 
Yeah. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. She doesn't care what's in my chart. She doesn't give about care about my shadow self. One bit. And now we're moving on. The far out. And the out there. And it's basically strange events that have happened to us or they're events in history that we just find interesting or unexplainable. And today we are talking about the Phoenix Lights. Yeah. A little bit louder. I think I need to do it a little bit louder. So it is two separate events that occurred in Arizona the night of March 13th, 1997. And it occurred between 7.30 and 10.30 p.m. So they're called the Phoenix Lights, but they actually started in Henderson, Nevada, and were last seen, I believe, above the Sonoran Desert in Mexico. So the first sighting was in Henderson, Nevada, and it was a little bit before 7 p.m., and a man described it as a triangular formation of six lights and almost appearing. I think when people see stuff like this, they just connect it to the the thing in their mind that makes the most sense. So he was like, yeah, they connect it to the human experience. The, the only thing that they can relate it to, like that's how exactly. We- yeah understand unknown things so in his what is this like in reality yeah and so like in his mind he was basically like oh it's a boeing 747 that was his like oh okay um the second sighting was actually by a police officer in paulden arizona and he described it as a cluster of orange lights um which is not normal for planes (laughs) right i don't think orange i mean I know that when I look, we live across from the, very close to the Aspen airport, and I distinctly can hear or see when it's a plane. Yeah, the lights. The lights. Yeah, absolutely. And if you follow something in the sky for like a certain amount of time, you can see like the blinking lights or whatever, and and it's movement quickly across the sky. So it's like, yeah, and I, we've seen enough planes, I think, all of us collectively as humans, at least in the United States, yeah. to be able to gauge, like, speed and, like, size and that yeah. sort of thing, you know? Like, I know if it's a helicopter versus a plane. It, I yeah, know. that's exactly right. If something's a little different. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then the next sightings came in Prescott, Arizona, where we both lived for a Prescott. 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 Oh yeah, it's Prescott, but if you're if you're hip, if you're hip to it. S K I T T Prescott. Um so that's <laughs> where the latest or the the next the next series of sightings were and people describe seeing white and red orbs lighting up the sky. Um and at that point they began like calling authorities like the Air Force Air Force base or the police and um at this point, authorities. Which, yeah. before you go, continue, if people are calling that, that means that there are enough people that have seen this. Because there's like a rule <laughs> where, not a rule, but there's kind of a rule of thumb where like you kind of think other someone else is going to handle mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 
That's so and true. So there had to have been enough people for it for a number of people to Yeah, complain, exactly. You know? Yeah. And authorities at this point were like, no, we're not, we don't have any planned trainings. Military exercises. Right. It, that's yeah. exactly right. Um, and then the light formation hovered in the sky, traveling towards Phoenix for the next two hours. And it was widely seen by thousands of people. Um, these people had bearing reports over the amount of lights they saw, as well as the size. But it didn't differ so much that it was like completely distorted from person to person. It was mostly like, okay, there's between five and seven lights, and it was between like three football fields to a mile long. Um, and witnesses reported that it blocked out the stars as it hovered above them. And while... Oh, so a solid mass. Yes, saying, yes. Right? Like a solid mass. And they could see the lights and the mass above, but they could not actually see what the mass was. But it okay. was a... Oh, yeah, it's yeah, dark. Right? It's, it's a dark, dark. night sky. Um, there's a quote from a cement driver who was uh, driving in North Phoenix. His name was Bill Grenier, and he described the second group of lights. I'll never be the same. Before this, if anyone had told me they saw a UFO, I would have said, yeah, and I believe in the tooth fairy. <laughs> now, I've got a whole new view, and I may just be a dumb truck driver, but I've seen something that don't belong here. And um, I mean, when you know, you know, yeah. right? When you know that something is off, you know that exactly. Off. Yeah, and uh, they're widely thought to be separated into two events. The V-shaped formation was in the Prescott Dewey area, um, and the other was in Phoenix, which is about nine lights hovering over the city. And there is footage of this. Mm. So go on YouTube. Wow. Um, yeah, maybe we'll send a link. We'll put a link. Yeah, in for sure. Footage. And there's pictures. And it, and, and mind you, this is 1997. So there's not, there's not cameras. You know, no one had iPhones in their pocket that they could just like whip out at the at the drop of a hat and start recording so these are like actual video cameras <laughs> like the kind you would put on your shoulder a little bit hold up yeah your eye and look yeah. yeah that's exactly right <laughs> maybe they were the fancy ones that had the screen yes like. yeah <laughs> you could really capture it in a steady really point of view it. and yeah. so <laughs> at the time um the arizona governor whose name is fife simmington the third Hell, I know. <laughs> I kind of love that. Um, what a name. And he held a press conference. And it, you can also watch this pe press conference online. Um, he, he basically started to make fun of the event and said um, he found who was responsible for it and brought out one of his aides who was dressed in an alien costume. And 
Oh, back before somebody would probably be offended by that, right? <laughs> Nowadays, if you pulled that shit, you would be like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would be offensive somehow. I mean, it is kind of It's offensive, offensive but, in know, the like, fact real, that offensive. it's just like poking fun at people for thinking that this is a UFO. Right, that a, that a, a voted-in politician is making fun of his constituents. Yeah, and he even yeah. saw it. Um so it was just kind of a joke to him and they made it a joke. And it all, it's also, that's still something that you see today. It's like, if you th- believe in aliens or think that there's anything beyond this, then that's kind of a source of ridicule. Yeah. I do think that that has lessened significantly. Um, I think in the last like five years, but for yeah. sure. For sure, it's still kind of people are like, okay, like you think you're an alien? You think you've seen aliens? Okay. Well, (laughs) it's also just like at this point, it is a UFO. It's an unidentified flying object. Yeah, there's no arguing that. By definition, that is a... Whether or not it's like aliens and extraterrestrials, it's still unidentified. Um, And then... In 2007, um, so 10 years after the events, uh, Symington said that he had witnessed one of the crafts of unknown origin. And I think it took him a while to like, I mean, he was probably also in the mind of like, if I believe this and I, you know, I'm I will be putting fear out there or people will see me as being crazy if I'm saying this is a UFO. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think there is some need. I think there is some need governmentally for, I don't know, this idea of maintaining uh, security, whether there's security there or not. Yeah. And we're supposed to just believe like a couple men who say it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. That was for sure the 90s. <laughs> Just believe the men. <laughs> God, some people still do. <laughs> I don't disbelieve the men. I'm just saying I don't wholeheartedly put all your faith in that Put all my basket. faith in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think a little bit more. Yeah. So Symington said, I'm a pilot and I know just about every machine that flies. It was bigger than anything I've ever seen. It remains a great mystery. Other people saw it. Responsible people. I don't know why people would ridicule it. (laughs) You tell us. Ten years. Yeah, you tell us. Let us know. Symington, though, whatever. Yeah, it's there. So. Also a fun story about this, um, which is online and also the uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, talks about this. But Kurt Russell, the esteemed American actor, <laughs> I love him. Yes. I love him. Huge fan. Um, one time I walked by him in Basalt and... Oh, yeah, I celeb sighting and celeb yep, sighting. Him and uh, Kate Hudson. So, anyways, Kurt Russell, Kate Hudson, or Gold Kate Gold Hudson. Gold? Yeah, oh. his his stepdaughter, or oh. you know, daughter, a daughter. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think that, they all yeah. call each other that. So, um, 
so anyway, Kurt Russell has openly talked about the fact that he had recently got his pilot's license around this time. And he was flying his son Oliver to Phoenix, saw these lights, and called it in. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't believe Kurt Russell, who can you believe? I mean, yeah, if you don't put your trust in that man. I mean, we're talking about not Almond, but that That man? That man. I would put my life in his hands. I think I would, too. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the 90s. I mean. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I'm here for it. I'm here too. Um, So people um, assumed it was a military operation, hence like calling it in to Air Force bases and such. Right. And so in attempt to like debunk this, there's a lot of theories and I'll just talk about a couple of those. Um, Air Force, there's an Air Force pilot who had said it was most likely a group of A-10 airplanes flying in formations um, that had dropped flares. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a pilot, but like, why are airplanes dropping flares over a city? And how are they like in perfect symmetry? You know, that's also a question of like, okay, so they were in such perfect symmetry and... Another part of that is like A-10, like fighter pilots or planes, those are fucking loud. Those are extremely loud. And everyone who witnessed this has said there was no noise and they hovered. The lights were hovering and there was no sound. So I don't believe that one. Well, I mean, just the statement of like, it was probably just. Yeah. It's like, probably? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you're just like, like, did you see it? Like, did you? Yeah. If this really. Did you think of anything else? Yeah. Be, or are you just like, yeah, it was probably just this. Yeah. Let's, let's move, move on. on. You know? Um, one of the other uh, things was like, uh, the Tucson Weekly broke this. I don't know how long after it happened, but who said that, oh, actually, LOL, it was the Maryland Air National Guard in Arizona for winter training. And yeah. Oh. They were A 10 fighters. And again, fighter jets are loud. <laughs> oh, yeah. Loud, yeah. And like also. A, one website. Just the, the the thing that there's like multiple explanations, like oh, it was just it was these, just no, this. it was the Maryland whatever. No, it yeah, was, no, there was a there was a military yeah. exercise. It's like yeah, okay, like you got three answers. I know whenever I'm trying to lie, I over fucking do it. Yeah, <laughs> or try to like force <laughs> a rational uh, idea over something just so it right. it makes sense to you, so you're you can feel more safe. I think. Right, right. Uh, One of these websites describes an A-10 fighter jet as having a signature sound of a loud buzzing burst of machine gun fire from the skies. So I don't know how that like correlates to silence. That's different than, yeah, silence. Um, Yeah, that's very different. (laughs) Yeah, and one guy who had a telescope Said he saw them. He looked at them through his telescope and said, 
oh, they're 10 planes. There's no way I could have mistaken that. Right. And there is like a... So we're just believing We're believing, guy. yeah. One We're man. believing these... We're believing the man Yeah. Again. You guys, we can't stress this enough. <sighs> you can't keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, stop, stop. Stop believing the everything the government tells you or some <laughs> yeah, random man... Like, in Arizona with a telescope. Really? Yeah, just, I mean, it's not like you have to disbelieve everything the government says. Just question. Yeah, it's okay to question like the government. Think yeah, it's Just think yeah. critically about it. That's all. So there's a lot of really interesting videos and resources about the Phoenix Lights. Um, in my research for this, I, there's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. There's a Phoenix Light Network. Um, and if like go online, look it up, there's, there's a lot of resources and this is like one of those things that it's like a mass sighting of UFO activity. And I don't care what this 1998 article from the New York times says. Um, I don't believe it's been debunked. Yeah. Again, I'm sorry. The New York times at that point yeah. was for sure the man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is similar. Like, so even now, even after the government has discussed um, Project Blue Book. Yeah, Project Blue Book, that there have been several UFO sightings by right. fighter pilots. That this isn't an uncommon experience no. for people. Like, even today, some people don't fully trust it. Like, for example, and maybe, for example, my friend saw a UFO maybe two, three months ago in Cave Creek, Arizona. Yeah, we'll and definitely have, have him on. on to tell the full story. But basically, yeah, he had a similar um, experience. It wasn't as large as the one that we're talking about, but um, it was these weird orangey red lights. He has a picture of it. And he's like, it was mm -hmm. like nothing I've ever seen. And I mean, I'm just telling you the weirdest shit happens to this man. Like, this is a believable man, by the way. <laughs> like, but the weirdest shit happens to this guy. And um, his name's Vince. And he actually reported it to MUFON, which is the Mutual UFO Network, where they sort of do, they have a website and you can look into it. And they sort of do um, further studies of yeah. UFO sightings. And they called him back. Well, they sent him an email and said, we're interested in speaking to you. And then they found his number because um, he's a realtor and they called him and they were like, this is the most uh, legitimate and largest sighting that we've seen in, wow. in two years. Yeah. We've got to, ha we'll have him on and he can tell the yeah. story. Yeah, we'll have him on. That's yeah, awesome. Picture too. Yeah. But no, I mean, the thing is, is people didn't fully believe him. Like he called me because he, yeah, for sure. I'll listen to that, you know, cause I'm interested, but because I'm not look, and I know says it the same way. It's not like I'm sitting here going, there's aliens living within. I mean, maybe there are <laughs> aliens living with us, but like, I'm not, I'll have some theory about how the government is controlled right. aliens or like any shit like that. I just think that if you see these things, that you should trust what you've seen and right. be interested and curious about it. And also be childlike and playful and go, whoa, what if? Yeah. What the fuck if aliens were actually a part of our existence right, right yeah. now and we didn't know? 
What would that mean? What would that be like? Like, how would that shift our perspective? Like, how can I look at the world with more magic by exploring that? You know, that's kind of what, I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast too, is to figure out ways to see the world with more magic. So that's really what we're asking. I think that's beautifully said. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in. Well, and until next time, stay in the magic. All right. Stay in the magic. Yeah. Stay and weird. Stay weird. I mean, stay weird, man. 